Yesterday was a tough day. Uh, I, I care very much about Andy and once a Bronco, always a Bronco is, is something that's important to us. And, and, you know, it was one of the tougher decisions that I had to make. I've never been a fan of making a decision in season, but my goal always when making tough decisions is for my head, my heart, and my gut to align. And once that took place, I felt it was the right decision at that point in time. I'm just going to come out and say, you know, I care about Andy. I love him. I love Summer, his girls, and he's done a lot for me. And this is, in this profession, things happen. People get fired. Things move on. And that's the hard part about it. That's the hard part about the business side of college football. I'm excited where things are going to finish this thing the right way, but I'd be reminiscent not say that I care about him and wish him the best and his family in the future, and he's done a lot for me. Well, for the first time in the history of the Boise State football program, a head coach is fired in season. Andy Avalos dismissed as the leader of the Boise State football program. Welcome on in to Jay Sports Bar. As always, I am joined by Shane Williams-Rhodes. Um, a historic week for the Boise State football team for a lot of reasons we never really anticipated coming into the season. But athletic director Jeremiah Dickey said that he felt it in his gut, his mind, and his heart that it was time to move on from Andy Avalos. What a weekend it was. Boise State picks up a blowout victory. Still not enough for Andy Avalos to save his job at your alma mater, Shane. Yeah, it seems like if you lose, you get fired after a 42-14 to win, you were going to get fired no matter what. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's going to be interesting to hear what actually came about and, you know, what's going on in there. Well, I, I want to start, like, with this because I don't want to overlook something here. Andy Avalos gave a lot of time, energy, commitment to this program, both as a player, an assistant coach. He worked his way all the way up to being a defensive coordinator, and eventually after a couple of years at Oregon, he comes back to be the head coach at his alma mater. That guy poured a ton of blood, sweat, and tears into this place. Uh, it means a lot to him. Um, he should still mean a lot to this place, and I don't think that should be overlooked. Uh, he was one of the best linebackers in school history. He found and developed arguably the best in Leighton Vandresh, although I know that we have people that mm -hmm. are going to argue Corey Hall. Go ahead and argue. Uh, that's not a bad argument to make. But um, in this case, found one of the best in Leighton Vandresh. He was a defensive coordinator with some elite defenses here. He was the 2022 Mountain West Coach of the Year. There were some things that Andy Avalos accomplished here that shouldn't be overlooked. That being said, it's safe to say he wasn't meant to lead the program. I mean, all the negativity is going to pour out in situations like this, and I completely understand that. And we'll try to sift through what is and isn't accurate. But I am comfortable in saying that he lost a majority of the locker room. There was too much distraction in there by things that were happening. And in order to save this, it was probably time to make a change at the top. Yeah, for sure. And I agree with you. I, I talk about it all the time with people. They asked about, you know, past, my past experiences. Mm -hmm. And my response sometimes is some of the coaches I had in the past are better off being coordinators versus being head yeah. coaches. But it's hard to really know. Like some guys, you just know, you're like, all right, that guy's probably not a head coach. But when you're on the fence about it, the only way you find out is by putting him in the situation. So this obviously being his first time being a head coach, you know, we uh, we got to – find out kind of mm -hmm. <laughs> how that goes because he definitely did a great job as being a defense coordinator when andy got hired i mean i'm i'm i'll say i'm i'm guilty of this too i i love the hire i said i said it should he should be the guy like i definitely thought that back when he landed on you know on the on his private jet out at the uh airfield and got off the plane and he was sporting his you know his, his boise state letterman's jacket and he looked like 
the perfect fit at this point in time for the program. He, he really did. And from what I had heard, like, he was great. And a lot of his players vouched for him. But as you said, like, when, when the difference between, you know, coaching a position group or even being a defensive coordinator to then going to being a head coach, all of a sudden, I mean, you've mentioned this before on this show, like, wide receivers, they got their own personalities. Cornerbacks, they got their own personalities. Quarterbacks, they got their own personalities. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you have to relate to a lot of different personalities, right? Yeah, and I think the ones that get probably, you get coached the hardest, technically, I guess it's the way to say it is like as intense of anything mm-hmm. is the linebackers in the D line. Yeah. And that's when and, he's coached. And exactly. And he identified with them. They identified with him. And um, once you take that to a broader level where you got more personalities that you got to accommodate to, it, it just wasn't working. And I know some of this stuff is going to be hard to hear, but for me personally, when I go through a situation like this as a reporter, I do not listen to one voice. I don't listen to two voices. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I need a multitude of people um, talking about, you know, the character, the atmosphere, the culture in order for me to really start to understand and believe it. Because if it's, if it is just a couple, it could be just a a few bitter people. Right. And I'm telling you from everything that I've gathered through this, that is not the case here. Does it mean that everybody hated him and wanted him out? Absolutely not. But there was enough that it impacted the decision that Jeremiah Dickey had to make. And ultimately, he made the decision to dis- dismiss head coach Andy Avalos. You look at the list of coaches that have, have moved on. Yeah. Uh, in, in a short amount of time that Andy Avalos has been here, he, again, we're just shy of his third season here. And he's had a lot of assistant coaching turnover. Yep. Uh, a number have stayed, but still, he's had a lot of assistant coaching turnover. And I think the thing that's alarming for me about that, some got out of coaching, at least at the college level, altogether, Shane. Yeah. In the past, it was always an assistant coach at Boise State taking that bigger job, going, making that jump to a Power 5 job or something yeah. like that. That wasn't always the case here. Yeah, Keith Bonifa goes from Boise State to, to Oregon State and reconnects with Jonathan Smith, who mm-hmm. I, I think they overlapped at the University of Washington together. Yeah, there, there were examples of that. But there's a guy like Winston Venable, got out of coaching. You know, Joel Schneider, more of a behind-the-scenes guy, who um, you know was popular with the players, gets out of – out of collegiate coaching, you know, and I haven't talked to either of those guys. I don't want to make assumptions about them because they're all doing their own thing now and really thriving in their new roles. But I, I, I just can't ignore that. Tim Plow, man, hashtag find joy. Fans aren't probably going to ever forgive him, but I'm, I'm telling you, if you really know the character of Tim Plow, he is a guy that you would want around your kids. Like he, especially your 18 to 23 year old college football playing kids. Like he's, he is all about character and all this stuff. And, um, you know, that was a bad fit from the get-go because of his style, but Andy hired him, you know? Like, yeah. there, there's just things like that where, like, it all does have to fall on the leader at the top, in, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's the other thing about being a first-time head coach um, is learning, you know, not to micromanage. And I, I'm not sure if that's ha- what happened here, but oh, I feel I think like... You're, I think you're barking up the right tree, buddy. I feel like if... And that's one thing that obviously coach Pete used to do really well is if you were struggling, mm-hmm. he kind of, you know, let you get through your struggles and overcome them on your own. How would he do that? Uh, let's just say, uh, well, let's say receiver play, you know, if the receivers are, are not, you know, playing well, he might come over and, you know, say something to us as the receivers. But as far as his coaches, he mm-hmm. kind of let, you know, like Prince, you know, just kind of do his thing. Rob, right. Wait, Robert, Robert Prince? Prince. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So it's it's kind of tough because he knew he could come connect with the kids, you know, say, all right, you know, you're good, 
pick it up, let's go, like that kind of thing. But it wasn't him going to our coach and kind of basically taking over the position, which I've seen a lot of times uh, after the Pierre is just some things where I feel like the coaches aren't allowing their coaches that they hired to coach those positions coach the position. So now if I'm an OC at Boise State and I'm getting pressure from mm-hmm. the defensive head coach, that's – you know, that's interesting. You start calling different plays because you're trying to make this person happy rather than what you want to actually run your offense in. It just changes everything. From my understanding, that's exactly what happened during the Tim Plower. Uh, he wanted to do something completely different and was forced to run an offense that he was not accustomed to running, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. But then you get an alpha that comes in, but you can't do that to the alpha. You can't micromanage him. And then that's basically what happens. You get well, that's what happened with Dirk. That's what I'm saying. You get Dirk. You're going to tell you, Dirk you, you what to do. You're going to tell him what he's going to run. He's going to run what mm-hmm. he wants to run. And it was successful. So being the head coach is more of managing the people than it is, you know, as much as being part of the scheme, which, you, you know, obviously if you're a defense head coach, you're going to be involved, heavily involved. But mm-hmm. it's tough. You got to let you gotta let your coaches coach. I don't want this to be an Andy Avalos roast session because, again, I will reiterate how much that guy has given to this program. And fans should appreciate that both as a player, assistant coach, and as a head coach. Um, this is going to be a tough situation for Andy, man. Like, this yeah. is essentially home for him. 14 years? I mean, he just I think he just turned 42 years old. There's a place where he spent a good portion of his life. It might be right here in Boise, Idaho. It's his alma mater. You know, every time he puts on his letterman's jacket or, or does anything like that, it is going to have a different feel for the him right now. And I, I don't feel like that should completely be the case. He should still be accepted and welcomed and all these things. But both, both can be true that he also wasn't meant to be the head coach right now of, of the Boise State football team. And I just feel like it's our responsibility to provide you as much knowledge and information about what happened, why it happened in season, the timing of it, all of these things. Like, they are all significant. They were all well thought out. And I think that they were all well ex- executed, to be honest with you. I'll, I'll tell you a, a story that I think is is very telling. During practice, usually, Avalos would have somebody come up there, and the question would be asked as they finish jumping jacks or as they do their jumping jacks, how do you spell fun? And somebody would pr- reply, W-I-N. How do you spell fun? And they would spell out W-I-N. Well, after he left... You know, the first practice, they go through the kind of their same routines. Uh, Spencer Danielson, the interim head coach, who we're going to talk about here in a little bit, along with, um, you know, kind of speculating about who might be the next head coach here at Boise State. We're going to get to all that stuff. But um, in in the first practice, that same thing happened, right? And um, apparently somebody yelled out, F-U-N. There might have been a swear word, you know, sandwiched in between a couple of those letters. But the point was is that you spell fun, F-U-N. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's so funny because you always hear coaches talk about like, yeah, it's a result-oriented business, but you can't focus on the result. You focus on the process. Yep. And if you're at practice and you are breaking to yeah. the result, not the process, fun is the process, man, right? Mm-hmm. And I know winning creates fun. I, I get that. But fun is the process. you got to have fun to enjoy the process. And if you don't enjoy the process, man, WIN is going to be a lot more hard to attain, right? And I think that we've seen that happen this season. Guys weren't having fun. Um, you know, there, there are stories that, whether it be um, staff members, Lou Major has had kind of an interesting week and, you know, some of that stuff not necessarily confirmed publicly, but at, at some point in time, he felt like he was fired. Uh, and, and there was there was a little bit of a falling out, from my understanding, with multiple sources telling me this, between him and, and Andy Avalos. And it would make sense be that Andy probably wanted to move on from him. Well, he was never actually 
technically fired. And so what we have been told is that Lou Major is still a part of the Boise State football team. And he even tweeted out yesterday, like, don't question his love for these players, the coaches, or the program, hashtag one and oh mentality, all that stuff. So um, there, there was enough different varying stories like that to show you that this wasn't an isolated problem, Shane. Yep. There, it, it, was, it was growing, it was festering, and it was expanding. It wasn't narrowing, it was expanding. Yeah, and one thing I know about Lou, uh, from him being here my freshman year, is he's an intense guy, but yeah. he freaking loves the kids. I don't think that any straw broke the camel's back. You've seen it on um, Twitter and social media that, like, oh, this is what did it. Eric McAllister's leaving. What did it? No, it, it, this is a collective thing. You don't. There's not one thing you can point to yeah. over this whole thing, and uh, the, the timing of it too. I, I this wasn't like a, a wake up and make the decision. I mean, clearly that's the case because they won 42 to 14 mm-hmm. the night before. I mean, this is this is 10 hours after they get off the field following a blowout victory, Shane. That this yeah. decision was made. Um, Jeremiah Dickey said that you know he met with Andy face to face on Sunday morning and. That's ultimately the decision that was made, and um, I, it's it's unfortunate all of this stuff, but it just it had to happen. And man, like I said, we're going to talk about Spencer Danielson here in a second. And I know that people have their opinions on him because Boise State's defense hasn't been great this year. And uh, I'll say this though: the beginning of the show, you said that hey, some people are better defensive coordinators than than head coaches. The way. Hey, Spencer Danielson had a really good defense last year. Like over, the, especially over like the last ten weeks of the season. Statistically, especially when it came to their pass defense, they were actually one of the better teams in the country. And granted, maybe their schedule had a little something to do with that, where they played some really tough opponents early on, and it tailed off a little bit late. But I think Spencer Danielson might, might be the guy that he might be a better head coach than he is anything one day because of his ability to relate to the players. They love him, and and it is so noticeable at practice right now, Shane. It is a completely different energy, a completely different mood. And actually, I don't know if we've ever done this, but Boise State posted a video of practice. Have you seen it yet? No. Okay, so they posted a video of practice yesterday. And you got to tell me that there isn't a massive difference in the, in the tone, the energy, and mood right now amongst this Boise State football team. Hey, cameraman back. So Deuce had to come back out. You know? I mean, I don't know how you can watch that video and not take something away from that. I mean, I'm not trying to pour pour this on here. I have not seen that type of mood and reaction at practice this season. Uh, that kind of thing kind of reminds me of when Pete left and Harson's first day in. Uh, we get there. Obviously, we all – none of us technically know Harson because he was gone. Well, yeah. a few of them were there. But, uh, you know, the first thing he says when he walks into the meeting is – because we all obviously love Pete. He says, change is good. And he said, and next year we're going to be good. And he goes through a spill. But that's kind of where they are right now. You know, you've been in such a low place – just to get get out of that, you know, and start over and get a fresh start. It's kind of what they're getting right now. You can't fake fun. Yeah. And um, interim head coach Spencer Danielson uh, held a press conference on Monday, just like they do each and every Monday. Jeremiah Dickey was there, and so was Bush Hamden. But 
we asked uh, Spencer Danielson what his main goal for these final two games is. Take a listen. So excited for these players. And that was the biggest thing, meeting with them yesterday. Everything goes down, kind of that 10, 11 o'clock time frame. Uh, JD did a great job speaking to our team. Then I was able to speak to him as well. And we got a great group of kids. I say it every week. I think you guys get tired of me saying it. But we got a great group of players in here. But more importantly, these seniors. You know, that's what I'd like. Dimitri Washington, DJ Schramm, George Alani, Garrett Kern. These guys that have done so much for this place, so much for me. So passionate to finish it right for them. And that's what I, I had the seniors stand up. Like, I just look around. Like, we're doing it for these guys. And their legacy is still not finished. It's not going to be, well, that was the year that this happened. No, that legacy is not done yet. We still got two more games. We handle those. We'll see what happens after that. We might have a chance to play a championship game. And then you play in a bowl game. And so that was the biggest thing talking to our team. And I had them all take out their notebooks and just be like, write on your sheet of paper two weeks. Circle it, underline it, star it, dash it. Because that's what we got to focus on right now. There's blood in the water right now. There's going to be other coaches trying to, I mean, the reality of it is the transfer portal. Uh, different situations for our players, coaches right now, their jobs, um, trying to figure out what's next. And that's what I asked the staff. I asked our players. And the same conversation I had with my wife when I got home last night was, we're going to finish this strong for them. And it matters to me to do that the right way. It matters to our staff to do that the right way. And more importantly, this group of men in this building, they're going to finish this the right way because they care about each other and they care about doing this the right way. They love each other. They love this place. They love Boise Nation. And we're going to do this right. And so I'm very passionate about that. So this is down to a two-game season, right? I mean, this is, is it is two games for Spencer Danielson to kind of prove what he's capable of and for these players to prove what they're capable of. And we talked with a number of them on Tuesday, and they all said that, man, they trust Jeremiah Dickey to do his thing. But they also all kind of endorse Spencer Danielson as being a legit candidate for this head coaching vacancy. I'll share my thoughts in, in, in a few minutes here, but I, I, like I said, I think this team needed a mix-up in order to save the season. And right now, everything is still on, on the board. As we sat here last week, Shane, I would say Boise State had about a 5% chance of winning the Mountain West Conference Championship this year. I all, of, I all of a sudden think that's elevated to like 25, 30%, and it can, it can take another jump this week depending on what happens. The reason why it has jumped so much, Air Force unexplicably lost at Hawaii. Nobody saw that coming. Everybody's like, ah, yeah, that's impossible. And they lost by, actually, they, they got blown out by Hawaii. Yeah. Um, San Jose State absolutely crushed Fresno State. And so those were very key outcomes that have allowed Boise State to climb back in this thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's unfortunate Boise State doesn't hold the tiebreaker tie against Fresno, so they're probably going to need the Bulldogs to lose one more time. Um, but Boise State does hold the tiebreaker against San Jose State. They don't hold the tiebreaker against Air Force, but neither does Air Force. That game's still yet to be played on the blue. Air Force has one loss in conference. Boise State has two losses. If they end up tied, Boise State gets that tiebreaker because they beat the Falcons in the regular season. The one that gets a little tricky is UNLV because Boise State doesn't play UNLV this season. And right now, the Lobos, um, I mean, out of everybody left in the league, they might have the best chances of playing in the Mountain West Conference Championship game. I believe they have Air Force this week, so that that's going to be a, a – a, game that really determines a lot here mm -hmm. and oddly enough you're probably rooting for air force to win that game so because because if then boise state if they beat the falcons they, they just control a little bit more there so so what i mean like there there's some significant games going on this weekend where those 25 to 30 percent chances could could take a significant jump yeah. if boise state takes care of business in logan the, the tie-breaking scenarios there, there's just too many of them right now to really go through all of them but I would say root for UNLV to lose this weekend and probably Air Force to win, and then you got to beat Air Force on the blue. Yeah. Um, 
Are we just going in two weeks? Tunes or are we still doing it, So that's a very good point, Shane. So this is the first year where there aren't divisions, right? Mm-hmm. It used to be the one division champs. Uh, in, the, in that case, like up until last week, it almost seemed impossible for Boise State under the old format because they could not catch Air Force uh, until the Falcons lost yeah. to, to, to Hawaii, right? And so now, though, it's just that it is, it is one league standing, the top two teams go play each other in the Mountain West Conference Championship. And um, I don't know if there's going to be a team in the Mountain West this year that climbs into the uh, CFP rankings. That would help a determining factor in certain tiebreakers. Uh, if, since that probably won't be the case, though, you're going to see the computer rankings and a, and a compilation of those kind of come into this thing. Uh, eventually. That's at least what I think is going to happen. This is their chance, though. Everything is still on the table. Rally together, find joy, be happy, go win a couple football games, and maybe two more opportunities turn into four more opportunities. You win these next two games, you might get a Mountain West Conference championship game. You win on Saturday in in Utah, then you get a bowl game as well. So two opportunities could turn into four opportunities in a hurry for for the Broncos. I mean, we go in four games here. Uh, I think you might be able to save some things, you know. Mm-hmm. I think uh, was that eight and five? Or was that nine and five? If they win out, nine and five, you get the conference game. Yeah, right? if they get the conference game, yes. Yeah, sounds a lot better than uh, not being bowling. No, right? Yeah. Exactly. That's right where I'm at, and that's why I think this move was the right move at the right time. But. I, you know, just just for the sake that he had a lot to say this week, um, let's hear from Jeremiah Dickey on his reason to move on from Andy Avalos and, and charge in another direction. It's not easy, and as I'm looking at the landscape of college athletics and, and college football specifically, we had two games left, and and once the decision was made in my mind, I felt it was in my best interest to move forward. The outcome of Saturday did not impact the decision one way or another. My job is to serve. And, and, and I take that very seriously. The decision was the decision, and, and it was something I put a lot of time, effort, and energy into. And as soon as, as everything aligned in my mind, um, the decision was made. And I'm not going to get into what's going on in, in terms of some of my, my feelings and thought processes as I, as I navigate you know, evaluating a program. I'm always watching. I'm always evaluating the changing of our, of our uh, specifically football, the changing of the landscape, um, looking at CFP expanding next year, it was the right time for me to make this decision and, and we're moving forward. So with that, uh, Jeremiah Dickey has appointed Spencer Danielson to be the interim head coach of his football team. This is the second time that Danielson has held this title since he arrived at Boise State. He was also named the interim coach when Brian Harson left uh, for Auburn in December 2020. And so he was obviously probably the had the inside track to getting that title again. I will say that it seems significant. Like there's, there are a few things that could rock a program more than a change at head coach. Um, I'll call it tragedy. Like so, the last two times this program has has hit a tragic moment, they have turned to Spencer Danielson to lead these players through that moment. I can't ignore that. That that that's a, that's a big time compliment for him. No, yeah, for sure. That definitely shows you uh, the connection he has with the kids mm-hmm. on top of the administration. So yeah. He's uh, obviously doing what he needs to be doing to get down that career. Again, the, the kids love him. There's buy-in there. He relates to the kids. The kids relate to him. And, I, and that, that speaks volumes. Uh, to add another component to this, Bush Hamden. So this last offseason, Shane, both Bush Hamden, um, who came here from Missouri, and Spencer Danielson, who was already here, 
They both received multi-year contracts as coordinators. We've seen this before at Boise State, but it, it hasn't always been the case, and it wasn't the case the last few years. But they bring back the multi-year contracts for their for their coordinators. You think like, oh, they're they're going to get money. They're they're all fine and dandy. Well, there is a stipulation in their contracts. If the head coach is fired, their contracts are essentially voided. Right? It becomes the the, the it turns over to the sole discretion of the university of yeah. of basically what to do with with their contracts, and so that's tough, man. So now you have an interim head coach and an offensive coordinator. They're going to fight like hell for these kids over these next two weeks without knowing if they even have jobs in two weeks. Yeah, it's basically another interview for them. It, 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 yeah. But that, that's that's why I really commend these guys. You know, Spencer Danielson probably getting a little bit of an incentive to, to be the interim head coach, and, and Jeremiah Dickey confirmed that to me this week. Um, but I, I think that says a lot about how much passion and energy – and, and the feelings they have for Boise State football. Spencer's been here since 2017. We all know Bush played here. This place means so much to him, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I, I guess I could let Bush talk here because, you know, I, I basically asked him that. Like, you don't know what's going on in two weeks. So, yeah. so, so how do you get through these next two weeks? This is what he said. You don't necessarily know your, your future after these next few weeks. Bush, what, what, is, what are these next three weeks going to look, look like? I mean, you could be here, you could not be. Like, how do you just approach it? Yeah, I think uh... – I think, you know, this is probably the third time I've been through something like this in season, you know, and so I just, uh, again, so much of it is is for the players, for our families, um, but you just kind of keep your head down, you, you finish what you start and, and see what happens after that, really it is, and I think... Uh, uh, you know, whether whether you've worried about previous jobs, it, it happened to us at Maryland, it happened to me at Arkansas State. Sometimes you end up in, in tough situations, but you just got to push through. Obviously, this one's uh, a little bit harder, just what this place means to me, but but there's a reason I'm here, and uh, it's been a blessing. It's all about the players. It's all about trying to take care of the players, the coaches, the family overall, their individual families as well. There, there's a lot going on here, but you can tell how much they care about these kids and finishing the season means so much to them. And if I'm the kids, I'm I'm running through a wall for these guys these final two weeks. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think the kids are just in a spot now. Like we said, they can actually, you know, you know, they're probably, they've been uptight and tense. Mm -hmm. They've been getting the pressure, but now they just let their, let the shoulders drop, relax, and they can just play because at this point, they literally have nothing to lose. Well, I, I can prove this to you. And how, how can I do so? Um, there's been a lot of controversy around Eric McAllister. There was a falling out between him and Andy Avalos, from my understanding, prior to the Fresno State game. I don't know how literally I want people to, or, or take sides, I guess, in that, because I don't know the, the nature of whatever meeting conversation they had, and that hasn't been described to me. But either way, the, the outcome of that was Eric feeling like he wanted to leave the team and chase NIL opportunities at other programs. All of a sudden now that that decision has been made to dismiss Andy Avalos and he's no longer part of the program, I had multiple sources reach out and say that Eric was looking to come back to the team. And Spencer Danison confirmed that they had heard that too. Now there's going to be a process to it. Don't know exactly the process. I do know players were involved, coaches were involved. I don't know how many of each. The ultimate decision on that, at least from what I have been told, is that Eric's not going to be allowed back. But I think it speaks volumes that he wanted to come back. Yeah, I think that situation's complicated too because are you just coming back to finish the season and then going somewhere else regardless? If that's the case, then I get why there would be some reluctancy to bring him back. Also, if you're a player, you probably do feel like, hey, man, times were hard, and you probably feel like 
you kind of quit on us, man. Like, yeah. you get it. I think it helps that Prince Strawn and Austin Bolt, who replaced Eric McAllister, went out and had five catches for a buck 85 and two touchdowns last week. <laughs> One had like a 42 yard touchdown catch, and mm-hmm. Prince had a 74 yard touchdown catch. That doesn't hurt, you know, making this decision. Yeah, yeah you're young. You got some guys that, who stepped up. We talked about this, and we literally said those exact names that we need those two guys mm-hmm. to take on what he was getting, and they did it and, and perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Yeah. Perfectly fine. So, yeah, we called that exactly to mm-hmm. You know, I guess we know a little bit of something. Hey, we were, we were saying a lot, especially about even Austin Bolt, man, and then the, the, whatever, yeah. like the – First series, he goes out and catches a 42-yard touchdown pass. Wasn't surprising at all. Doesn't mean it wasn't absolutely cool, though, and, and, and good for Austin to, to have that moment. It's too bad we can't pay attention to those, those performances right now because we have so many other things to kind of dis, uh, dissect and talk about as it pertains to the Boise State football team and what's going on right now. But either way, that, that, that decision that Eric was even like, hey, I, I want to come back, I mean, that says something. Um, Ashton Genty. Apparently, he's got a little more pep in his step. I, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't phrase it that way. <laughs> I think that Ashton always probably wanted to come back and, and at least play again this season. Maybe there is slightly more motivation now. I don't know. Are but you saying that Ashton Genty's win this week? I don't know if he's going to play this week, but I, Ash, I'm confident saying Ashton Genty's going to play again this season. He is 79 yards away from 1,000. That means a lot to a football player, and I think that he wants to come back and get that. Is that through seven games? Yeah. Yeah, right. He still leads the Mountain West in rushing, by the way. Oh, I, it, I figured that. He hasn't played since the first quarter of the Wyoming game, so he missed essentially three quarters of that game, each of the last two games, and he still leads the Mountain West in rushing at, with 921 yards. Yep. Yeah, he is a dude. I definitely need to make sure we see him in blue one more time. Yeah, it would be great. Um, show up and watch on on Black Friday against Air Force because if he's ready to go, you know he's going to be charged up and, and wants to have a big game and. I don't want to get into to speculating, but the kid's going to have options, and he deserves to make whatever option he wants after the season or, or take Absolutely. take whatever decision. He has developed. He is an unbelievable player with an unbelievably bright future, and he's got to do whatever is best for him. And I think the thing that I liked, you know, talking with Spencer Danielson, and this, this was not about Ashton Genty. This was just his general approach to this over these next few weeks. If a player comes to him and says, hey, coach, I believe this is better for my future, and they sit down and they really determine that it is, Spencer Danielson said he's, that he, he'll help a player facilitate that or, or just get through that process because he wants whatever is best for his players. I think that's a great attitude to have in this transfer portal era uh, and, and, and in the NIL era. Uh, I know that it's not going to be well-received against some members of Bronco Nation because I think that there's always going to be this feeling like a player is selfish for going and taking what he deserves – even if it's elsewhere, which is kind of silly to me. But in an era where Boise State can't can't pay what these Power 5 programs are paying, I think one day that you might be able to sell it to a kid, hey, we got proof that we want your best interest. Even if it's not necessarily here, we're going to take care of you. Are you yeah. Don't view this as a, as a training ground for, for Power 5 programs. That's different. But just just showing, and, and maybe think people think this is too close to separate, but just showing that we care about you. And if after a couple of years and you're playing really well, and we sit down and we just say, you know what, you can't pass up this money, you can't pass up an opportunity to go back home and play in front of family and friends. If we truly determine that Boise State is not the best best place for you, then we'll help you. And I, I think that that will help Boise State get through this era. And, and maybe what that will show future recruits is like, 
man, I do want to come here as a youngster. I do want to play early. They're going to take care of me. And then after two, three years, when you are a superstar and you have this decision to make, maybe you're just going to feel like, man, they love me so much and I love them. And I'm just going to appreciate loyalty over all this. Mm -hmm. It's not going to work out for everybody, but I do think you're going to win some hearts over eventually. I think the fans really have to focus on, because I know they they obviously don't, they see it, you know, one side. But you got to realize, like, if you don't treat, if you treat players a certain way because of the transferring thing, which at this point probably 30% of college football kids are transferring, uh, if you're that, if you're deemed as a school that, you know, they aren't, they will live, basically they will, you'll be frowned upon if you transfer out of there because, and they won't help you because of that. Mm-hmm. That can affect, you know, other guys who are trying to get out of the transfer portal. Yeah, good point. They would see it as, okay, well, if I go there and it doesn't work out, they aren't going to help me out. But if I go somewhere else, they have a good name for, you know, people who like to go in and out of the portal. Like, that, all that stuff matters. It's not just the, oh, he played here and he did good, now he's going to leave us. It's like th- the way we treat this guy could affect us getting the next guy. So we got to play the long game. As long as we're talking about the transfer portal, I, I do think that that plays a significant role in the timing of this, right? So – the transfer portal for all of college football opens on December 4th. There is a new rule in place or new-ish rule in place where if your head coach gets fired, the transfer portal opens immediately. For just that school. For just that school. So Boise State, any player on their roster right now could actually enter the transfer portal and start actively pursuing playing at another school or or, or basically reactivate their, their own recruitment. Um, the significance of doing it now, though, is you can use football, in my opinion, as a dis- as a distraction. The guys have a new sense of energy to them, right? A new sense of happiness. So they're good right now. Mm-hmm. And so now the message is, man, gentlemen, let's play our tails off the next two weeks, have as much fun as we can, try to win some games. And then after two weeks, we'll go ahead and evaluate everything. So you have two weeks to basically get have them buy back in, have them trust what they committed to, and not necessarily that being a head coach, but to Boise State football, right? Yep. And um, that also might mean that the talk is the, the the clock is ticking on who you are going to reveal as a head coach in the next couple of weeks. I don't think Spencer Danielson is going to get four opportunities. Like I said, if they win these next two games, they get a Mountainless Championship game and a bowl game. I don't think he's going to get four opportunities to coach this team before the decision is made. I think he might get two. But even if so, you hire that new coach, he probably won't come in and coach this season. Correct. But I still think that you are saying if you're – I these are – I'm hypothetically speaking here, but I just have to – I don't know how to do it without using player names. <laughs> if you're tailing green and you're like, oh, we're going to hire an offensive coach that has a proven background and his track record, all of a sudden that probably helps influence his decision of where he wants to be for the next few years of his collegiate career. And so that's why I think you you look at these next two weeks. You got to have fun. You got to make them believe. You got to make them love being at Boise State again. And then ultimately, you have to start to reveal the plan of what is next for these athletes. And that yeah. is just that's just my opinion. Using football as a distraction these next two weeks, even though the transfer portal is open for them, and hoping that you get that buyback in, and they say, "I want to be here," and then all of a sudden the, the the portal is less impacted. Shane, there was somebody that asked me this week on on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. How many players do I think Boise State will lose to the transfer portal? I am confident saying that they will lose less now with this decision than had they just finished out the season the way that it was. That yeah. 100% my opinion, 
But I have a belief in that because there are certain players on this roster that I heard were, were leaving this roster. And now all of a sudden, I mean, look at Eric McAllister as an example. He yeah. was gone, and he was all of a sudden like, oh, one foot back in maybe? Yeah. You know? No, 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 no. You can't do that. But um, it's it's definitely making everybody reconsider the entire situation. And that's why I think you had to do that now. Because if you waited until the regular season was over, you would not have had the distraction of guys wanting to play in football games. You would not have had the distraction of, of preparing for football games. And if you waited until the end, this thing's over, transfer portal is open, it, it, it's free season for, for them yeah. and for, you know, for, uh, for schools to come at those, those guys. Yeah, and I guess the other thing is uh, transfer portal opens up on the 4th. I believe the Mountain West Championship is on the 3rd. Yeah, it's right before that. Whatever the Saturday is right that's, before I that. I think that's the 3rd. So it get, is the 2nd. Monday is the 4th. Championship game is December 2nd. Okay, so you so now that obviously will affect bowl games. So what happens if you win two, you get in the championship, you win that, and now you know you got obviously a way better bowl game than we would have gotten. You know how does that affect those two? Because once you commit to another school, mm-hmm. you don't keep practicing for two weeks and right. you don't play with. You know, I still think the scariest scenario that could have played out in all of this is really for a change not to be made, and then winning in Logan on Saturday and just getting to a bowl game. But then maybe losing against Air Force and then losing the bowl game because guess what? A number of guys didn't want to play in that bowl game. Mm-hmm. And whether that be guys with eligibility remaining or not or, or transferring or not or whatever the reason would have been, again, I, I know that it feels like it's piling on right now, but I'm, I'm just I'm confident enough with what I've heard from a variety of, of different people at different levels and all of this stuff. I just feel comfortable saying that. I just They're going to be in a better situation now. Than they would have been, Shane. That's so just my opinion. So, what's your number? Of how many they lose? Less than what it would have been had they not what done do you think this. They were going to lose before, without the coaching change. Same it's thing. it's it's hard to put a number on it, but I think it would have been staggering. I think that double digits. Yeah. Yep. Are they in the single digits now? I don't know. I. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard for me to say that. I. I think you were going to look at a lot of guys though. I, 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 I just that's just my opinion. I'm I, I def I think double digits and still I don't know if it's still double digits, okay. but it, it, it there's still just a little bit too much unknown. Yeah, I am confident in saying though that it is it is less now than what it would have been. Yeah, but you got to win some guys back over, and I think that by doing this again, the university is showing players did not. It's not like there was a player vote and they voted on this by any means. Like, that's not what happened here, folks. But, like, I, I, I do think whether they meant to or not, the, play, the, the university is showing we're going to value you guys over one individual. And, and, I, and like, I, it, the decision was not that simple, but I still think that it kind of sends mm-hmm. that message to the players, which maybe gives them some optimism. Hey, they're going to take – Boise State is going to take care of us. Yeah. And they're going to do what's best for us. And I, and I think that kind of shows that. Yeah, and what I'll say from seeing two coaches, well, now three, obviously, but the two coaches before that left, because everyone that's been here just has left, left before Andy, not necessarily gotten fired, but uh, you find out, you know, what things are really like as time goes on. We won't really be able to figure it mm-hmm. out now because the guys playing, you know, they still love Avalos, you know. They aren't yep. going to 
if they had they felt some type of way about him, they probably were gonna wait, you know, to their den playing, you mm-hmm. know, so it's not something that's gonna affect him. Usually or they transfer yeah. or all that. So it's gonna be interesting to see over time what really conspired. Usually it's like you, you gotta sever ties with the program completely before that stuff comes out. And it, yeah. it could even mean like you have family. Like if you had a little brother at Boise State right now, I'm sure you would feel more obligated to hold back some of your opinions <laughs> and things like that, right? Yeah, you know, certain stuff you can and can't say. Yeah. And but I, you're 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 part know. you're part of the brotherhood. Like it's just yeah. I, I get that, right? Yep. And so once you start to really start, you know, sever ties and you're not yeah. really concerned about that anymore, usually the truth or at least opinions start to kind of filter out and, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, even like with Pete, when he left, there was guys that he kicked off the team. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you ask them about Pete, like, they'll tell you how they feel like they still loved him. Yeah, I want to yeah, actually – That kind of thing. You brought up something that I, I – I actually, you brought up something with Chris Peterson earlier in the way that he kind of treated his assistant coaches that I wanted to add it to, and I kind of forgot. I had a, a conversation with Chris Peterson prior to the Washington game this year. And um, you bring that up, and I thought the one thing that was always amazing about Chris Peterson is that you can't find a former player that really doesn't like him. And as you said, it could be guys he kicked off the team. Mm -hmm. It could be guys that got 30 carries in a game. It could be a guy that barely got a special team snap in a game. And so many of them just have the same opinion about this guy. And so – you know, the way that I interpreted that is this this man treated these guys fairly. Yeah. And so I asked him, I was like, how did you manage to treat a, a roster with 105 different guys, 105 different personalities fairly? And his whole thing is he's like, you know, I, I never really looked at it. I, I, I want to look at it as fair. I never really considered fair. What I try to do is ha- create a sense of belonging for everybody on my team. And so when you have an offensive coordinator and you say, yeah, well, I'll have my input, but you you go do your job, man. Sure, sure. You know, Shane, you're our, you're a slot receiver. I'm going to train you up and all this stuff, but at the end of the day, you go do your job, man. Mm-hmm. I think it, it created a sense of belonging for people. And that's why, like, back in the day, like, I always loved – I don't feel like you really – there are special teams demons now, for sure, on the Boise State football team. But I don't feel like we necessarily hear that title publicly about those guys. Mm-hmm. And once upon a time, I, I feel like Chris painted this picture of, no, man, like – yeah, he doesn't play defense, but this guy, he's winning the hidden yardage battle for us. And he'd come up with these things where all of a sudden you're like, this guy, when he steps on the field to play kickoff, and that's all he's going to do, he's going to dominate that and feel like he's making an impact and have a belonging on this roster. And that is one thing that I think Chris Peterson, above play calling, yeah. whatever else, that is something that Chris Peterson was elite at. Yep, I agree. And I think – and he always t- would tell us, you know, obviously – Behind closed doors, uh, his thing was uh, everyone has a role. Mm-hmm. If you don't like your role, then you have the ability to change it. Yeah. But it's based off of what you put on the field. Mm-hmm. So if you don't like your role, change it. It's yep. totally fine that you don't like it. You just got to put in the work so you can get it changed. So now as we kind of move forward here and, and try to wrap this thing up, uh, I know that a lot of people are like, who's the next head coach going to be at Boise State, right? Great question. And – do they stay in the family? Do they go outside of the family? There are some very obvious candidates. There are some not so obvious candidates. Yeah. It's still so early in the process. I, I'm not going to put together my like, here are your top five coaching candidates at Boise State list because it's, there's just still too much unknown. But I'll bring up a couple names that I think have been a, a part of the general public's opinion so far. I know you see Brian Harson's name on there. I know you see Kirby Moore's name on there. You know, it, it would be... I mean, I, I, it would be hard to argue against those options. Kirby is a little young, 31 years old. 
Um, but everywhere he's gone, he has been good, and he has made the team better. And right now you look at what they're doing at Missouri. Yeah, I know there's a lot of contribution or contributing factors of why they're a top 10 teams right top 10 team right now. But I still think that Kirby deserves a lot of credit for the way that their, their quarterback is playing and their offense is producing right now. Yep, I mean, Sean McVay did it. Started really at, young. at the NFL level, too. Really young. Yeah. I, so, I mean, Kirby could be a good candidate. I, I, From my understanding, or at least I should say from my belief, I do think that Boise State wants to have somebody with previous head coaching experience. I think that's a benefit to them. I think the question becomes, can they pay enough? Can can they get into the two, $3 million range to attract somebody that does have previous head coaching experience to maybe hire them away from somewhere? That's a, that's a big question. A guy that you might not have to that, I don't know, maybe gives you the hometown discount as a guy like Brian Harson. I mean, Auburn's still paying him, obviously. Um, I know that it doesn't necessarily impact. Uh, I, I've definitely seen this. It, it's not – Harsons do what he's do from Auburn, regardless of what happens next. Andy Avalos, for example, uh, just to compare this, Boise State could pay him as much as about $3.3 million in his buyout. Um, that will be paid every two weeks until his contract expires in March 2026, I believe. Um, so there's no lump sum due at any point in time for Andy Avalos. But if Andy goes and gets employment elsewhere, let's say, I'm just going to use flat numbers, if he had $1 million coming his way next year and another school wanted to pay him $500,000 to be their defensive coordinator, well, then Boise State would just pay him $500,000 less, right? So whatever a future employer pays Andy Avalos will be deducted from what Boise State owes Andy Avalos, right? So for for Harson though, Auburn's paying him regardless. And so may, I have no clue. Maybe that's something where – It's a great retirement plan. It's a great retirement plan. Maybe you get a hometown dis- discount. Maybe you don't because he has a – yeah. wealth of experience here i mean obviously and he produced here 69 and 19 i think anybody would take that right now when it comes to the success of boise state football uh 10 win season after 10 win season constantly in the mountain was title game discussion and in his first year he has that fiesta bowl victory that i mean that is that is the biggest caveat on any resume at, at boise state mm-hmm. um so those are obviously names that that probably are going to be in the mix here i don't know how highly they're considered or anything like that but you know, there. I think there's a name that kind of continue to hear about, and maybe not even connected with anyone over at Boise State at all. In all honesty, but um, Sean Lewis is an intriguing in, in name for me, and he uh, he was at Kent State for a few years. He was, um, you know, uh, he won at Kent State, which is not easy. Then this last year, uh, Colorado and Deion Sanders got him to go over there, and I know that there were. Uh, he, I know that you're going to see, you're probably going to Google his name after this and be like, wait, he was stripped of his play calling du- uh, opportunities or duties at, at Colorado. Well, talking with some guys within the coaching ranks, um, they don't love the way that, that Sean Lewis has been treated at, at Colorado. And if you kind of look like even those last two weeks, it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, they've had this huge uptick in scoring. And it's not yeah. like scoring's really been the problem for, for no. Colorado anyways this year. No. But he's, he just has previous head coaching experience. It seems like they could afford him. He's only 37 years old. He's an offensive mind. That's just the name that I'm throwing out there, but I don't know how 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 legitimate it is. Can you give us your top three coaches? I said I'm not ready to do that yet. <laughs> I'm not ready. I, I, I don't even know if th- those guys are in my top three right now, to be honest, Shane. I, I really don't know that. I think in another week or two – not even a week or two. I think in another few days, like – I think more will start to be, to reveal itself, and maybe I can draw a better guess or something like that. But what about our dark horse? Who? 
Jeff Choate. Jeff Choate. Oh, gosh. I can't. I don't know why I overlooked Jeff Choate, to be honest with you Can't there. Overlooked Jeff Choate. The, he, he clearly has the alumni backing um, big time, and he is an energetic guy. You could probably talk to him, talk about Jeff better than I do, because you were actually kind of connected to that era. Yeah, so fun fact, Jeff Choate is the person that offered me to come to Boise State. Really? Yep. Okay. Came to my high school, watched my film, had my coach pull me out of class, and he basically told me, said, I'm going to offer you a full ride right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if our receiver coaches want you, but I'm the special teams coach. And I and want you. You will be the starting returner. Nice. Punt return, kick return. I want you. So you you have an offer basically just to come to returns. He goes back to Boise. I get a call like four days later. Robert Prince. He tells me he wants me to play receiver too. So then that's when I know. I was like, okay, well, I'm in all the way. But, mm-hmm. yeah, Jeff Choate just – he said, I'm not going back and asking for permission. I'm the special teams coach, so I'll mm-hmm. just offer you as a special teams guy. You talk about another guy, though, that kind of fits the criteria. Previous head coaching experience, knows the brotherhood, knows the city, uh, clearly would have the support of some of the alumni. Right now he's off coaching at Texas. Can you? Can they get him away from Texas? I would assume. I so. Okay, all right. Well, I mean, that's a guy that you would assume is at least in the discussion. So when I was coming in, because obviously he was like the main guy that recruited me, when I was coming in, he was leaving. I think he was going to Florida. Maybe. Yeah. So he left, went to Florida, and, you know, so he had that conversation with me via phone. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I got to go. He's like, I got to go because one day I want to be a head coach, mm-hmm. and I want to and I wanna come back to this place. So he said wow. that to me All the way in back 2011. Then. So you fast forward to now, I'd definitely love to see that guy get the job. Well, there you go. Like, you're, you're probably on the same page with a lot of alumni, namely Hunter White. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's because he was a special team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's special few, team few demon, people that have campaigned. Coach, yep. you know. Few people have campaigned harder for Jeff Choate than, than <laughs> Hunter White has. I get it, though. I, I, I do. I absolutely get it. And that's whatever happens next, I think that that's what you need. Like, we talk about the biggest thing for me is if, if this next coach can check a few very, very important boxes. Sure, play calling and scoring points, or if you're a defensive guy, preventing points. Those matter. But I think you really have to – um, hone in on a target that can tackle the current challenges of college football. And those are how do you operate in the, in the NIL spectrum knowing you can't pay as much as some of these other schools? How do you navigate that? How do you approach that? How do you be innovative and think outside the box versus, you know, always just saying, no, this is Boise State. We're the standard. You should want to be here. Because that's just – I'm sorry. It's tough to hear, but that's not always going to work anymore. It's just not always going to work. Yeah, because – Obviously, back in the day, it was always, you know, OKGs, and Mm -hmm. you couldn't transfer because you had to sit out of the year. So I don't know how you – how it works in this new – You got to find a guy that can relate to a lot of people and a lot of different personalities. I think you have to – with with today's athlete, I don't know if tough love is going to work on a broad spectrum anymore. So you have to have somebody that, you know, the the players can buy in and love. I mean, you're Mm -hmm. a trainer. You work with these kids. Mm -hmm. You know, if if they show up and you're just – hard on them day after day after day and you show them no remorse or no grace or anything like that they're gonna go find the next trainer yep yeah it's for sure identifying how each kid learns and how they respond and then you have to figure that out and then you have to implement that into the way you coach Mm -hmm. and the way you talk to them so there's some kids you can be rough with and then there's others that you can't i think my favorite thing about this time around with this head coaching hire I mean, we just lit, 
the candidate list probably goes way beyond what we just did and, and names we definitely didn't even bring up. The thing I like about it, clearly there's some awesome candidates that you think would do a great job yeah. here, but there's no obvious one. When Brian Harson left, or excuse me, I'll go back. When Chris Peterson left, it was like, got to hire Brian Harson. When, yeah. when Brian Harson left, got to hire Andy Avalos. And I know Jeff Choate was kind of in that mix, but mm-hmm. there was always just like this obvious guy that it just almost the 80 probably felt the pressure to hire. In this case, I, I don't really get that sense. And that's why, like, maybe I, maybe it's somebody from outside the Bronco family. And I just think that that might be where this thing leans. But I don't I don't think that's a bad thing. Boise State, it has its tradition. There are people here. There might be coaches that stay here that will always make sure that that is honored. But maybe in this new era of college football, maybe you do need this this fresh new sense where it's not always about the past. It's not always about the standard and the blue and – um, I shouldn't say it, it is always going to be about the blue, always. but but it's, it's not always about like the past. Like you have yeah. to continue to innovate and be creative, and be so be more excited about the future than you are about pointing to the past three Fiesta Bowls um, that you know that Boise State accomplished. Like you, you got to have somebody that has that mindset. It sounds like you were here for the Carson campaign when he got here. Yeah, uh, wasn't embrace the past, uh, attack, attack the future. future. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Yeah, I think you're right, but I think like that said, I, I think a guy like Har- Harson too. I think his, I think, I think his, his time at Auburn, I bet you that was just so extremely valuable to him. I don't, didn't go the way that he probably wanted it to. Well, I know it didn't go the way he wanted it to or anybody wanted it to, but I think getting down in that environment and and really learning about, you know, how to impact a team and a program as a head coach, I bet you he has such a different perspective on things now. Like, I I don't think he's the same guy that left. I'm, I'm very confident in saying that he's not the same guy that left here. Is that good enough to... To come back, I don't. I don't know. Can they afford them? I don't know. But we'll we'll see it all play out. Before we leave, there is a game this week, right? I don't know if I've ever been more excited to watch a Boise State football game, especially a five and five Boise State football team. I know. They got a new head coach, at least in the interim, and now we're going to get to see how excited these players are to get on a football field, perform their best. I think they're going to run through an absolute wall for Spencer Danielson, and I think the Aggies are going to have a long afternoon in Logan. I agree. I think I would have preferred this to be the Air Force week. It's Well, there could be a carryover, right? Well, I sure hope so because we're going to need everything we have in these next two games. If we can knock these out, I think we are a front runner. Boise State is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. What do you got? Oh, we cover that. Three and a half? We'll cover three and a half. I think they're going to cover three and a half. Again, you spell fun, F-U-N. Yes, you do. And then eventually wins are the byproduct of that. And I know they, they it's cyclical. They can all feed each other. But I think this team is going to get back to having fun this week. And, again, I think Utah State is is in trouble. That's just that's my opinion. It could go the completely opposite way. Oh, yeah. But I'm just going to buy in the energy that I see is going to result in some good production on the field. You got a final prediction? You want you want to throw out a score to us? We have for over under. We have. Here. You always ask me that, man, and I always I always fail you. It I'm gonna matters. I'm gonna guess like upper fifties, maybe fifty seven. I'm gonna guess something like that. I'll go. I'll, I'm gonna guess fifty eight and a half. I'm gonna look it up for you here, but I'm gonna guess fifty eight and a half. It's gonna be probably way higher than that. I know. Um, I will say, Utah State they can throw the football a little bit, and if that offense gets in rhythm, they can score points. So I don't I don't feel. Uh, it's not going to be a shutout or anything. Let me just say that. I'm looking and I'm seeing right now about 24 to 34. 24, 34. Okay. So, 
Okay, I was I, I was a little I, I I was about a touchdown off. The over under is sixty four. Yeah, and I just gave you fifty eight. So, okay. Yeah. Twenty four thirty four. Mm-hmm. Under. I like that score. I'm gonna go thirty seven twenty four though. Yeah. I think it's a little it's, more. Still right there at the under though. Yeah. That's that's a high one. I'm gonna encourage everybody to check out our. Uh, our articles that we've posted at ktvb.com. If you want to listen to the entire Jeremiah Dickey press conference, you can. Same goes for Spencer Danielson, as well as Bush Hamden. Um, we covered a lot inside these press conferences this week. Spencer Danielson, by the way, is still going to be the defensive coordinator. Call plays from the sideline. Um, there's just there was, a, there was a lot that we covered, and if you need any more of that, check out ktvb.com for those stories. As always, Shane, my man, what, what, a, what an episode. I don't think we ever thought we would spend – uh, five minutes talking about a game and not even yeah. really reference the previous game yeah. uh, on this show, especially coming coming into uh, game 11, week 12. But here we are. Appreciate you, bud. No problem. All right, this is Jay Sports Bar, serving the Idaho sports community.